Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 Peter. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail them to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the first epistle of Peter, and we're in chapter 4. We see that in chapter 4, we are presented as being good stewards of God's grace. A steward is someone that is faithful, if they're a good steward. Good stewards are faithful servants overseeing a specific item or a, uh, a job or a business or some individual. In this case, it's the grace of God that we are faithful servants concerning the administration of God's grace. Verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered, he that hath suffered in the flesh, hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, or revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give accounts to him that is ready to judge the quick, that is, the living, and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak... Let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, 
as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. And so we see here in chapter 4, there's much to be learned. Forasmuch then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, we need to be ready with the same mind. That's what it tells us there in verse 1. And he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Does that mean that if you suffer in the flesh that you no longer have to worry about sinning? No, I believe this is speaking specifically of Christ. And he suffered in the flesh and died from that suffering. That he should, or that he no longer lived the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. And then he goes into this conversation about who we were as we wrought the will of the Gentiles. Not, not God's will, but the will of the lost. The will of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for the pagan. The will of the pagan. And that's what Gentiles were seen as. They were seen as pagans. When we walked in lasciviousness, that's all manner of evil, lusts, excessive wine, we were drunks, uh, revelings, meaning we were always in the party, banquetings, we were feeding ourselves without stopping, and abominable idolatry as we worshipped idols. Now, does that mean each one of us did each one of those things? Probably not necessarily, but quite honestly, we, if we look closely at our past before we came to faith in Christ, we were probably involved in many of those things, if not all of them. Verse 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Your former friends think that you're crazy because you're not running with them to cause trouble. You're not running with them to riot. You're not running with them to do evil. You are giving an account 
to God Almighty, the one that is ready to judge the living and the dead. And it is because of this sin, and it's because that God is judging sinners, that we need to understand that the end of all things is at hand. Verse 7. We are, because we know that the end of all things is near, we are to be sober and watch unto prayer. Throughout Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see the word sober often. Now, the word sober is usually not uh, opposed to, as opposed to drunkenness, in the sense of that's the reason the word is used, although the Bible is opposed to drunkenness at every hand. Every time it speaks of drunkenness, it speaks of it being sinful, being foolish, being absolutely dim-witted. But here, what it's talking about is we should be sober, meaning we have the right understanding of life. We have the correct um, view of life, and we have a construct that is based upon Jesus Christ. And so our sobriety, or our soberness, is not based upon drinking or not drinking. It's based upon the kind of mind we have. Do we have the mind of Christ? But since the end of the world is near, and since the end of all things is close by, we're told to have the proper attitude and to be on guard, to watch unto prayer. Meaning, we are watching and praying. And above all things, have fervent love, fervent charity among yourselves. For charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins. And so, if we are going to be what Christ and who Christ would have us to be, we're going to have love that is fervent one for another. This is the love that does not require anything from the object of our love. This is a godly love. It's also a charity love, or the love of charity. Um, charity is the word used here, but caris or charis. We are to think, when we think of charity, we're to think of love as in brotherly love, as in uh, the love between family members, and this love will cover a multitude of sins. We're given another command here, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Now, I've been guest in a number of homes around the world. I have been guest in uh, homes of very poor people, and I've been guest uh, in homes of folks who were not so poor. And I will tell you that when that hospitality was given without any kind of grudging, it was given uh, hilariously, if you will, just as we're to give in the church. Uh, we're to give of tithes and offerings uh, with a smile on our face. When that hospitality uh, was given to me 
with a smile on their face, I was so happy to receive that hospitality. Now, the hospitality might have been spending the night in a home in a distant land or a distant area. I remember I preached a series of messages. I guess it was seven or eight nights. I was in a church in Pennsylvania, not a church that I had ever preached in before. They were the most hospitable people. They were always wanting to take me out to eat or to feed me in their homes. And I remember eating some of that wonderful Mennonite cooking uh, there in that farm country in uh, the Lancaster area. And I remember that they were always smiling as they provided hospitality, whether it was staying in that home of a, of a well-to-do individual uh, for a week, or whether it was going to various homes to have supper or to have a lunch. It was a wonderful time of hospitality, and I've received that in many, many locations. And this is what we're supposed to do one for another. And we're to do it without being bitter, without grudging, without trying to hold back. We're to give hospitality as if it is our family that's coming to visit. Don't hold back, but give forth just as God gave forth of his grace. And so we're to have hospitality one to another without grudging. Whether it be a missionary that comes to visit, a visiting pastor, a friend, someone just passing through, you have the hospitality with a smile on your face. I remember as a child, my mother would make sure that she had fried chicken, usually mashed potatoes and corn or beans or both if we had a garden at the time. And uh, we would have some biscuits usually and would have a wonderful lunch following a service at the church where we were a part of. And we would have maybe a guest preacher and uh, if not the guest preacher, we would have the pastor and his family over. And it was a wonderful, wonderful experience for a youngster. And when missionaries would come and be housed in our uh, little house and eat my mom's cooking, it was exciting. We'd have evangelists in and they would stay with us. And I learned so much uh, and I'm, I got into so many uh, troubles as a youngster. Uh, because I didn't want to be quiet. I wanted to be in the middle of everything. Sometimes that's not good for, for children, you know. Uh, but the hospitality was wonderful. and It was overwhelming. And my mom and dad made sure of that. If they didn't have much, they shared it anyway. You never knew. Verse 8, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So we're now down to verse 10. What is the gift? The gift, some tell us, is the gift of salvation. And as we receive the gift, minister as a saved individual one to another as good stewards 
of the grace of God that's seen in so many different ways. Others would say the gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even as we've received the gift of the the Holy Spirit, we should minister through the Holy Spirit one to another as good stewards of the grace of God that's given to us in many different fashions. Whatever the gift you may conceive it to be, the truth is it's a gift that's given with salvation to the Christians. And we are to minister the grace of God. In verse 11, oh, and by the way, there are others who would tell you that this gift is the gift of preaching and the gift of teaching. That could be as well. So if it is the gift of teaching or preaching, and quite honestly, the context puts it in that fashion, uh, if you have received the gift of preaching and teaching, then you minister to others as a good steward. And then you see the context in verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. An oracle was one that spoke what God had them to say. An oracle was an individual who would break out in rhyme or break out in poetry or song or just in speech and would say what God had told them to say. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. In other words, don't preach, don't minister, don't uh, do the work of a minister in your own strength. Do it with the ability, with the strength that God has given you. And the reason for that is so that God in all things may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever Amen. Now this is where we usually see a break in the action and a break in the teaching. With the word Amen being given to us, this is an important spot for us to review at least a little bit of what we've been studying. In this case, whether we preach whether we uh, do helpful other ministries, we're to do it with the strength, with the ability, with the agility, with the um, uh, education, with the teaching that God has given to us. And the reason we do that is so that Jesus Christ will receive all glory and honor and adoration. We are not to worry about receiving accolades for doing God's work. If someone appreciates it, that's all well and good. If someone says, I appreciate what you had to say, that's wonderful. But the truth is, all glory belongs to Jesus Christ. And then the phrase, to whom, that is to Christ, be praise 
and dominion forever and ever. What is dominion? Dominion is the ability to rule. And so what we see here is that glory is given to Jesus Christ and then praise is given to him. And his dominion is stated here as being without end. It is forever and ever. And then the word Amen. So be it. It is settled forever. I agree 100%. And Peter says, Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.